Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve. And I'm Jason. Welcome to this week's episode of Dual Rambling. This week, we're going to discuss our routers and why they hate us. And we're also going to talk about antitrust for the big four. Uh, Apple, Google, Amazon, and Facebook. All right, Jason. So first and foremost, I think we should discuss how and why our uh, equipment seems to hate us so badly. You know, uh, Skynet? Their wireless seems to be pretty set. <laughs> you never see them. You don't, you know, the Terminators are never in the middle of a killing spree and er, they lock up or they lose connection and glitch out. That would be the funniest version of Terminator I've ever seen. Right at uh, Universal, I think was the, I don't even remember. Fox. No, it was 21st Century Fox, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah, and I think somebody owns them now. Is it Hulu owns them or something? Disney owns Fox now. I don't know. I think Disney owns everybody now at this point. Well, at least the 21st century. Yeah, so it's all coming back around, you know. You know, routers are one of those things where we all need them in today's day and age. But yeah, the amount of times I've seen a random router issue is mind-boggling. And it's not even just uh, wireless. Sometimes even like a wired connection to that router can still cause issues. I'm, I've been dealing with that myself for now for a while and uh, currently in the process of figuring out what I want to do. So I know at, in my house, I'm currently using a mesh network. I'm not sure exactly what you're using, though. Are, you're using something a little bit different, aren't you? Uh, yeah, we had a Netgear Nighthawk and I had gotten uh, 8500 series. Uh, was was the one that I had most recently. And the problem that we keep having is, well, I keep making the same mistake, apparently. So in the last seven years, uh, I've gone through three of those Nighthawks, and they all seem to be dying in roughly the same way. So it will work for some period of time, usually two to three years. And then uh, they just kind of start to get flaky. So like we'll get like intermittent drops or uh, we noticed on some of our security cameras, like the the quality started to degrade a little bit. So instead of getting like a 1080p, we would get 720 or sometimes we would get like a 480 stream. We tried to do all kinds of testing. I could run speed tests and stuff. And most of the time those would come out okay. We actually tried replacing one of our cameras thinking it was something like that. And the problem is, is it doesn't, until the problem becomes worse. So typically, you know, a, a later period in time, is when it starts to become bad enough that I can really narrow it down and pinpoint it being the router. You would think after three, I would be better at this, but apparently not. So for the last, I don't know, probably for the last three or four months in hindsight now, we've been getting intermittent and sporadic issues. And you never know. I mean, I have, at any given time, I typically have close to 60 devices on my network between all the IoT stuff, between all of our cameras, just, you know, devices around the house, whether it's, you know, computers, tablets, um, you know, Xbox, Apple TVs, you know, anything like that. We have, you know, quite a few devices. We also have a whole bunch of smart outlets. So that's that pushes the number up pretty quickly. So we started having issues, like I said, a couple months ago with connection and it started to get more and more flaky. And it kind of got to the point then within the last, probably within the last three or four weeks, 
I started having issues where the router would just randomly like reset itself. And my router sits out in the open. It's not like it's in a cabinet and it's not super hot. It's not overly dusty. I'm not one of those people that lets it build up to where you can, you know, write your name and stuff in it. I, I try to vacuum it off on a somewhat regular basis. So I knew it wasn't something super basic like that. I did try swapping out a couple network cables on a few different things, and I just couldn't seem to kind of get the winning combination there. So the straw that broke the camel's back was, I forget, when did I send you that text? A couple of days, maybe a week ago? Yeah, just uh, just about. So roughly about a week ago, my wife was, I believe, watching one of our Apple TVs, and the, it kept cutting out like it kept lagging and it kept dropping out and stuff on her and she was just kind of to the point where she sent me a text message and I will give you the the gist of it essentially it was I don't care what it costs and I don't care what you have to do but fix this junk that's a lucky uh man right there right so what I did because I've been married Jason pointed this out kind of in our little pre-show Jason pointed out that because I've been married for more than a year I knew better than to just take this at face value and to just, you know, go enact a plan. So I went to her in person. This is a key point, Jason. You must go to them in person. You can't send text messages. While that does give you proof, that's not the same as standing in front of them and saying, do you realize what you're saying? And are you 100% sure? So once I had the visual audible contract (laughs) in brain writing... (laughs) need this uh in written and down in triplicate i need you to have that notarized i also need uh three hieroglyphics in the blood of a virgin as proof just saying yeah prick your finger and stick it here so (laughs) once once everything was verified that she said what she meant and she meant what she said i started to put together a plan um i started doing a little bit of research and things and originally i was actually going to go for the newest asus router that one is a or Wi-Fi 6 Wave 2, so that would give me the most latest and greatest in Wi-Fi tech, but it's still a single point router. Like, it's just one, That's and that's how my routers have always been. I buy an uber, uber powerful, quote-unquote, I guess, gaming router is mostly what the Nighthawks are known for, and I just have one crazy strong access point that sits down, like, in our family room kind of deal, and then that was more than enough to pretty much hit the whole house. And for the things I needed above and beyond that, I have a hardwired connection to my office. And then the only other thing I have is I have a wireless repeater on our second floor that shoots out towards our garage to handle a couple of our security cameras. But as a whole, one powerful, you know, base station always did it. Jason had been talking about doing mesh, and that kind of made me think that maybe I should think about doing something other than just one base station. I didn't think you'd go quite that far, though. But like, I can't be mad at it. You know, it's like you had your issues with that. And, you know, I've had similar as I feel like we all have. Um, I know for me, we had just bought a house uh, last April. So our old place is roughly about the same size. And uh, we ended up getting the Tenda brand Wi-Fi. It's worked okay. Uh, I think the for whatever reason, it seemed to work a little bit better there. We've probably had it a year and a half at this point. But now I actually have a decent backyard where we spend a good amount of time. I can get zero signal back there. Like, I'll get it, but then it just cuts out randomly. And I get it. I mean, I live in Florida, so we have uh, concrete walls for our exterior walls. Cool. Wholeheartedly get that. However, hold up as well. I've noticed even hardwired directly to those nodes, I'm getting 
maybe half the speed that I'm paying for. And at some point, it's not the modem, because if I plug in directly the modem, I'm getting what I should be, or at least real close. But if I'm hardwired to the, the node, I might get full signal on a good day, uh, or I, I might get half, you know, and wireless. I Look, I'm willing to accept with everything that can happen with wireless, I'm fully willing to accept 75% of what I'm paying for over wireless. Sometimes a small dip, sure, that's fine. But in the overall grand scheme of things, that's, that's about where I sit. And if I can't get that, I need a new system. So personally, I've been looking at the, the Google Nest mesh system because they have the overall best reviews out of any mesh system I've seen in quite some time. And it makes sense. They've been in you know the tech game for how long at this point? I hate to give a number of years because it still weirds me out that 40 years ago was 1980. Wow, and that's probably about when they came into existence. I started out in a garage like everybody else in Silicon Valley. Also, how's 1980 just as far away as... <laughs> Or 1990 is just as far away as 2050 is. Right. That's not frightening at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So I guess to bring this back around then. So, yeah, with, with you going that route, um, I, I kind of went a different route. <laughs> like I said, being being blessed uh, in the way that I was given permission <laughs> with, with the, the, old, the, the wife. I started, like I said, kind of doing a deep dive and trying to figure out, like I said, Jason had mentioned some mesh things. So I was trying to go down that path and look. I had originally been looking at uh, an Asus router and it was not cheap. I mean, it was the better part of, I want to say it was, it was like $550 or $599 or something. It was really, really expensive, but it was like the top end best one you could get in that kind of class or price point or that sort of deal. And that's not total price, by the way. That's that's per month for the next twenty four months. No, 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 no. That that would be that would be my internet connection. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's another tangent. So what I ended up actually setting settling on is something that I actually had originally thought about doing, but I always assumed it was going to be too expensive to actually go that route. Um, and that was Ubiquity. That is, if you're not familiar with ubiquity that is jason would you say that's prosumer at minimum and pro above and beyond at minimum for sure i mean honestly i took a look i took one look at the picture you sent me and i'm like you've got a full business grade internet set up in there (laughs) so this goes back to what what my wife had said fix it at all cost i don't want to have to keep doing this so originally I was looking, like I said, at looking, going back to what I already knew, which was the single base station kind of deal. And I decided to to not do that. Just one, because we have to keep buying the same thing. And two, because it just didn't seem, it seems like the technology had come far enough now that there was better options out there. So I started researching into Ubiquity. I'm fairly techie by nature. Some of the jobs I've had involved doing IT and things like that. So I was already familiar somewhat with some of their equipment. I just thought it was always going to be too expensive to do it. But when you add up, you know, multiple routers over the course of a couple of years, you know, the price that they're asking to get into that sort of setup really isn't outside of the realm of what I had already spent on multiple routers anyways. And if parts of the ubiquity system break, being a modular system, I can just replace pieces and parts. So... What I ended up settling on was one of their Dream Machine Pros, which is essentially a mini server kind of deal. Um, it runs on an ARM processor, 
and it is a router it is a gateway firewall port uh, uh or switch i'm sorry like all in one unit it also has like their unified controller built in so you can access their uh, software and you can interface with all of the switches as well as the different pieces of equipment access points because with ubiquity being prosumer or commercial grade type of equipment everything is managed which means you have to go in and physically set things up and you have to physically change all the settings it isn't plug and play like you would get with just a regular router so i ended up with the dream machine pro as kind of the core i went with one of the hd access points because if you're going to go big you need to go you know go big if you're going to go big go bigger right <laughs> so well that's the second half of the story jason <laughs> so I got the HD access point because that was going to go in our main kind of space, the main travel space kind of deal where we spend most of our time. Um, and I figured that would hit the better part of most of the house. While not cheap, in fact, it cost almost as much as the Dream Machine did, it has extremely high throughput and it can handle like 2,000 clients or something like that. So while I don't have anything close to that, I wanted to make sure that I certainly had headroom because you just never know. Christmas is around the corner. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so I ended up with that. And he's going to buy 250 <laughs> Raspberry Pis. <laughs> you don't know. My uh, my kid would like a 3D printer for Christmas. So, you know. So do it's, I. It's not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> the host would like a 3D printer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to make any donations, we'll leave a link below. <laughs> Um, so I started out with those two essentially to start. Now the dream machine pro is a rack mount type of equipment. It is a one U actually like rack mount server piece of equipment to the, to the, uh, eagle eyed among you, this, this poses a problem because that doesn't really necessarily just kind of slot into your everyday entertainment center. So the next thing, cause again, given permission to fix it at all costs, so I figured, well, if I'm getting rack mount gear, I should probably get a rack. So half reconfirmed with the other half and said, what if I got a new cabinet? It has glass in the front and it'll be a little bit smaller than the entertainment center that's there. I didn't really give a whole lot of other detail because, you know, you don't want to overdo it. With the limited information, she said, that sounds great. So I said, sweet. Yeah, with that limited information. Is this considered lying by omission? I'm just curious here. <laughs> no, no, no. I was discussing, remember? Just, you know, it's don't, it's not even don't ask, don't tell. It's just don't tell. So, <laughs> so I promptly ordered my rack. So then I had already had a, a really nice, uh, what are those called? Like the, the PTUs, the, the power units where it has like multiple plugs on the back. Yeah, PDU, PDU, power distribution unit. There you go. So I had one of those, but it wasn't a rack mount style, but I had a really nice one because I have I have some decent audio gear and some video and stuff like that. And we had a, a lightning strike our tree out front of our house a couple of years ago, and it actually blew up my subwoofer, which at some point we should go through the audio stuff because that's also a really good story because we ended up going in for a new subwoofer and walked out with speakers and a subwoofer and a receiver and a couple other things. But that's another story. So <laughs> I got the rack. I had a, I already had a, a, a power unit, but again, like I said, it was, it was being used for a lot of my audio stuff and it didn't really fit in the rack the way I was kind of picturing things. So back to Amazon, I go and I ordered a PDU that was rack mount. Then I was thinking about all the cables that I was going to need. So I started ordering some new ethernet cables. Cause again, 
why use Cat 5e when I can use like Cat 6a or Cat 7? So I started ordering cables. That all showed up. So I got a, I ended up getting a handful of other pieces and bits for essentially what you put in a rack for management. So there's a couple of like cord organizers, patch panels, patch cables, you know, all the things that you do. <laughs> and it just kind of started to spiral out of control. So all the initial stuff started showed, to don't judge me, Jason, don't judge me. I had permission. So all the stuff showed up and I got the core stuff put together. I put everything in, I organized cables, I got everything ready to go, hooked it all up. I realized that the access point in our family room kind of deal, while it hit most of the house, you would get a great connection until you hit the second floor on the other side of the house. And then it was really only like one or two bars. It wasn't, it was not terrible. And honestly, by most people's standards, it probably would be acceptable, but it wasn't what I wanted to do, especially having spent that much money. So I went back to the, to the other half again and said, if we spend a few more dollars, we could get another access point and it would give us better coverage throughout the whole house. Good. Great. No issues there. Wasn't an issue. For a few more dollars. Don't judge me, Jason. I'm not judging. I'm just laughing at the uh, verbiage used. Remember, married for more than a year. So <laughs> the second time through, though, I did not go all out. I got one of the Nano HD access points, and those are about half the cost. But they give very similar coverage, um, but they're not quite as heavy duty. So like that one handles, I think, like 750 clients or something instead of 2000. And like I said, being half the cost was good. So I ordered that initially. And then like an hour or two later, I was like, well, that's not going to work because I only have one cat cable running from downstairs where all the server gear is now up to my office on the second floor. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to hardwire my computer, you know, our our wireless repeater and this new access point, especially because the new access point needs PoE, which is power over Ethernet. While I could have just gotten a dumb switch, I suppose, and a power over Ethernet injector, I, again, I was like, well, let's just do it right. So I ended up then ordering one of their eight port switches, 150 watt PoE Unify switches. That will power my new access point. It will power my wireless repeater and it will give me a good solid connection at my computer where I do all my work here. Then I was like, well, I'm still only using a Cat5 you know, e cable going from first floor to second floor kind of deal. I'm going to have to rerun that anyways because to do power over Ethernet and stuff, you're really supposed to run Cat6a is what they're rated for. So I was like, I'm already got to do a run. I was thinking, well, you know, if I have a one gig link you know, going from downstairs to upstairs, but I have multiple devices upstairs, you know, as, as things start to connect to that and use it, I, I was thinking, well, I might actually end up saturating my connection, especially because these access points now can kind of work as a mesh network, you know, and I'll, I'll already be kind of overlapping anyways. Both the switches have the option to do fiber optic as a connection between them instead of ethernet. Well, Again, if you have the permission, you might as well just finish out this crazy train. I went back and I ordered SFP connectors, which is the fiber optic connectors for the switches. And I ordered, um, I think it's 75 or 80 foot long fiber optic cables. And I'm going to rerun those from floor to floor. So hopefully by the time we uh, record next week, I'll have an update for you. It's been an interesting um, you know, experience. Definitely, definitely way better than uh, just going out and buying a Best Buy router. 
Now I do have to ask though, are you gonna are you looking to run that cable yourself? Yeah, I already have a um what's that called? Like the a channel or a duct, not a duct, but a cable route or whatever. I already have a spot to go. So I'm gonna literally just um like attach the fiber end of the cable to the Ethernet cable that's down at the bottom, and I'm just gonna use that as a pull and pull it all the way through. I mean, that makes sense to me. That's what I would do at that point. Uh, now, I, I do have to point out, though, uh, so maybe two, three weeks ago, uh, I guess it was, I was actually discussing with you the need for me to upgrade my mesh network uh, and the actual hard switch that I have, because my eventual goal is to, in fact, uh, hardwire an Ethernet the house, both for my wife's office and my own. The problem is I would do it myself because I have done it before, mm-hmm. but I've taken one look in that attic and where my TV currently sits, which is what I want to do anyway, was to run those cables through the wall. Where it's at to get to the uh, spot in the attic is right alongside my AC. To get to where I would need to get to, I have to crawl across the actual uh, thin hosing itself. Tubing, I'm, I'm no HVAC guy, so I, I'm not entirely certain of the vernacular there, but uh, I'd rather just pay someone to do it correctly in that case because i don't want to damage the ac trying to get to where i need to drop this like the two little lines from the compressor right like one of them oh no it's in... like the, no like the big oh the actual duct wraps, duct oh, 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 oh and i'm not exactly a real thin guy so if i were to slip fall and fall into that i'm going to spend a whole lot more to fix that than i would to just pay somebody to run this cable so that is on my list, but with where I live, it's not exactly a cheap proposition either, uh, where you're talking about 150 per outlet plus labor. So that's probably a $500 project, if, if nothing else. I'm just picturing Jess walking into the room, and you're laying on the floor. There's a hole in the ceiling. There's air conditioning duct hanging down through the hole, <laughs> and you're saying, call the contractor. <laughs> you know? And then getting that, I told you so. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, so about that same time and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I need to do that, but I'm going to go with the, the Google nest for now. And you're like, why are you doing that? And I'd explain it. You're like, okay, that kind of makes sense. And then I'm like, yeah. And I'm looking to switch out my, my actual network switch that I have. Cause I'm going to need it up there anyway. And I have a small background in, in networking. So to keep those skills up, I was looking at getting a managed switch. And you look like, oh, so you just want to make it harder for yourself by going the managed switch route. <laughs> and what do you turn around and do? You get business-level managed switches. Mm-hmm. Judgy much back then. <clears throat> so really, all I heard out of that entire conversation is, wah, 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 wah. This is entirely my fault, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, I did switch that out, and I've seen some uh, vast improvement because the switch I was using to hardwire or to run the wire throughout my house to get to my office uh, was a probably 10-year-old 10-100 switch. It didn't even have uh, Gigland on it itself. So I've noticed a vast difference in that alone. Now I'm actually getting full speed when I hardwire. It's not the real trick is to get my get a Ethernet cable long enough to reach out to my wife's office. Yeah, and ten one hundred. Holy moly, that's that is old. Yeah, but it's before crazy. I had upgraded our internet, we only had hundred down, so it still covered what it needed to. Except, did it though? Because even then, when I'd run it, I was still 
hardwire into that might be getting 50, 60. Right. Yeah, I hear you. Well, like I said, you know, if all else fails, set some money on fire and go fiber optic. I mean, I suppose that is always a possible. But, you know, it's funny. You know, we talk about setting things on fire. What about the state of technology anymore? Isn't that kind of uh, on fire at the moment? Well, at least certain aspects of it seem to be. That's for sure. I'm just trying to think of how to even to approach this one. <laughs> the, the government is is essentially coming after. It's not even necessarily just Google. They've filed against Google, but you know they're they're looking into Apple, Google, Amazon, and Facebook uh, for antitrust issues. And I know, like in the tech sector, the the word antitrust is is that's the big <laughs> that's the uh, the Voldemort kind of deal. You don't say the name kind of deal in that situation, um, you know, because that's that's a big deal and that typically means a lot of problems. So what essentially happened is that the Justice Department uh, has filed suit against Google for illegal uh, mon- monopolization of search and ad markets. So they're not going after them just as an entire company or they're not going after them like as a whole. They're going after certain specific things. However, as you know, Google is essentially funded by search and ads. That is their bread and butter by, I think, all measurable measures. So the the meat and potatoes, I think, of what they were going for, what was said essentially in regards to this is that... The government feels that the American consumers are forced to accept Google's policies and practices and things like that when it comes to personal data and that their stranglehold essentially on the ad market is too big and too deep uh, for any sort of new companies or anything like that to kind of emerge and to even get any sort of a footing to be able to even have a chance. Um, They're just kind of overshadowed by Google. Uh, does that sound like I'm summing that up kind of so far, Jason? It does, although that does also lead to some of the issues I kind of have with the topic as a whole. Uh, and I can see the, a lot of different avenues of this. You know, I consider myself in most any situation to be relatively centrist in that I try to take a look at both sides, you know, and come to the most logical conclusion based on any evidence I can find. Honestly, I think you hit, you know, for the most part, everything I've I've seen about what's going on. I just think the big problem is you have a company who's been in the game since, well, without actually pulling it up, Google's been around since, what, 90? Maybe a little bit before? Yeah, I, I can look it up real quick if you want to keep talking here. You know, yeah, their bread and butter was, in fact, Google searches. You know, like, there's a reason we say, oh, yeah, let me Google that instead of, yeah, let me Bing that. Let me Yahoo that. They uh, it looks like they were official September fourth of nineteen ninety eight. Wow. Okay, I gave them an extra eight years. But even still, when they started out, it was really just the search engines, and then it kind of grew from there. When you take a look at it, specifically with Google, is the part I kind of look at and like, well, it's it's the ads. Cool. But the one thing that I and I would have to to look that up again to verify. I'm not sure if they currently, I know they currently own AdSense, but I don't know if they developed AdSense or if that was one, like that was the acquisition that they had made. I don't think it honestly makes a difference though it does because whether they developed or whether they're, I don't think it makes a difference in the fact that it's still under their heading, under their control, essentially. 
you know, if the government's looking at that as a potential issue, it doesn't, I don't think it matters, does it? And perhaps not. I, I guess the point I'm kind of going with that, though, is let's say you create Joey Jojo's T-shirt company. You're the only T-shirt company that exists. I'm the only Joey Jojo. You know, actually, you know what? Better yet, let's say aluminum T-shirts. You're the only aluminum T-shirt manufacturer out there. I'm trying to come up with something that doesn't actually exist at the moment. So you get real big and everybody wants these aluminum T-shirts. No one else has attempted to make them. How is that your fault? And even like, okay, somebody tried to make them, but they couldn't make them as well. So they just didn't succeed. Again, how's that your fault for making something that's that's good enough that people want? And I, I get the purpose of antitrust, you know, monopolies from a business standpoint. So, so I guess I think Google's statement somewhat backs up what you're saying. So, and I'll read this verbatim. This is from The Verge. Uh, it says Google disagrees, insisting that its high share of the search market is a result of consumer choice, which I think is what you're saying. They got there just by being the best. And I don't think anybody disagrees with that. It says today's lawsuit by the Department of Justice is deeply flawed. The company said people use Google because they choose to, not because they're forced to or they can't find another alternative. I think that's true. I think what you're saying as a whole is true. I think the problem is back to what they originally filed charges for is the ad portion. So like when you go and search for something, the very top hit on Google is ads. So people are buying that. So even if you're the, so if we use your, I don't want to say your logic, but if we use your stance, essentially that just because I'm the best of the best, I'm the best aluminum shirt maker. So I do all my SEO. I do everything I should do to get to the top of that list. Okay. But now I'm Johnny blue shirts and I come in and buy the ads and my website gets to sit right above yours. And I've done a fraction of the work, but because I'm piggybacking off of a similar name and I'm willing to throw money at the problem, I now get to beat you in rankings. And I think that is where a lot of the problem comes from because Google is now essentially a verb. Like if you, you know, if you tell somebody to go Google it, nobody questions what that is or what that means. So while I agree with you, they got to be a verb because they are the best of the best. And I honestly do believe as a search engine there, they are the best. But the problem is, is that by being that big and then by having a lot of the practices that they have, you know, where you can buy your way to the top, essentially, I think that is where it's starting to stifle a lot of the newbies that are trying to get started because I could essentially run you out of business just by throwing money at the problem because I can get all the traffic you should be. But if you take a look, that actually happens everyday business anyway, and they still don't necessarily call it antitrust. Take a look at the Walmarts of the world putting out small businesses because you can get the foot traffic by throwing money at the problem that some of your local mom and pops just can't do. Same aspect, really. Right. I'm not disagreeing with you. And I, by no means, I would like to throw this out. I, by no means claim to be a lawyer or have any sort of, any sort <laughs> of legitimate, <laughs> uh, you know, handle on this. So this is just totally Jason and I's thoughts and feelings. And this things. is two dudes rambling. Right. So I totally understand where you're coming from with the Walmart aspect. And I don't personally have a knowledge deep enough to understand why Google necessarily is targeted for antitrust, but like Walmart isn't. And I'm not entirely sure Walmart hasn't been 
looked at a handful of times. I just don't know that there's enough to go on maybe in that particular area. True. And I think, and, and I think the other thing that matters here is that there's Google is under fire, not just from the United States government. Google has been hounded by a lot of the EU governments and there's a lot of places outside of the United States that are on Google for a lot of the same issues. And I think that's what makes this a different situation than, than Walmart. Because Walmart, to the best of my knowledge, is just U.S.-based. I don't believe there's Walmarts in any other country. To my knowledge, no, but I could be wrong on that. But regardless of how you look at it, Walmart compared to Google is, you know, the David and Goliath kind of deal. I mean, they're not even in the same ballpark. I think I think there's a reason that the initial article that we were looking at pointed out the big four. You know, there's a reason it's Apple, it's Amazon, it's Facebook, and it's Google because they are the biggest in the entire world. I mean, Apple is the, you know, by their market cap, the biggest and, you know, most expensive company in the entire world. So I think there's a reason. I think that is why, you know, the, the target is pointed to them right now. Also, fun fact to uh, touch back on that last, because I'm fact-checking as we go. Uh, Walmart is, in fact, international. Okay. As far as number of locations, it's the United States, then Mexico, then the UK, as far as okay. overall most numbers. See, we're bringing some facts in our podcast too. Why not? We 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 put in our our little digital rainbow, and the more you know. <laughs> do, do do do. Don't don't do that. We might get trouble. Do there we go. I got one extra do. We're good. It's like you know uh, vanilla ice back in the day. Yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I I and I can see a lot of those same points. And I think if I were to point out one that's uh, the most you know concerning of that is the fact that not only are they running the AdSense, but the ones, you know, at the top of the ads because of AdSense and SEO, SEO at this point is almost synonymous with Google because it's, they're the ones running a lot of that. So to put yourself up high, cool, does have plenty of issues. But again, it kind of comes to the point where like, if you're the only one taking the time to do it, and I don't know, I don't, I don't understand fully how SEO is run. Or, or who runs it, if it is a, a an impartial third party, anything like that. One would kind of hope so, because uh, you do have the um, IEEE, IASCC, if I remember that acronym correctly, and a few others who are international standards for web traffic. Uh, one would hope that they would be the ones to have some sort of control or say on that. I think there's still a lot of questions that you know the majority of people don't necessarily know you know, even from the legal side. And maybe that's where a lot of that comes from. I just think it's hard to say too. It's like, okay, if, if your aluminum t-shirt grows and you're the only name in the game, if somebody comes along and, you know, can buy their way to the top, great. I don't think you're going to stay there very long if your product can't hold up. I was going to say, if you become too big, who's to say, well, you, you have to split that into multiple companies. Why? What's that doing? Because now you're just doing shell companies that are all coming to the same place anyway. Well, and yeah, and that's the thing. If they end up having to split, I don't know, unless somebody else has to take the reins, essentially, or unless somebody else is responsible, if it all just becomes another alphabet company, you know, how does that really help? And what's there to split with this one division from the rest of the company? Well, right. I've heard that the search and ad department could have to st strike out on its own. I don't know how that helps, though, because if it's still, you know, do they have to, if, if they strike out on their own like that, 
does AdSense just get relabeled as something else? Or does AdSense then just become not part of Google, but it's still an Alphabet subsidiary? I don't know the ins and outs of that. And I don't know that it really makes a difference in the end as long as Google's still allowed to call the shots. And, you know, whether it's whether it's SEO or whether it's, you know, the AdSense or anything, I think it's not necessarily, I think what you're saying isn't necessarily wrong, but I think it's, um, I think it's, it's off. So I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think that if you are the best of the best, you can make it to the top. That's great. I don't think that's the part that's in question. I think the part that's in question is that Google is holding the keys to the kingdom. So if they make a rule that says you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to get to to put your listing here or to meet these certain requirements to do this certain sort of thing. And in doing that stifles competition. That is where I think the problem is coming from is that they're making rules and policies that are essentially in their benefit, which to some degree makes sense. Who doesn't want things to go your way? But if it's at the sake of legitimate companies or up and comers, you know, trying to come through and they're getting squashed because of these policies. That's the problem. And some of this, I think, kind of goes a little bit to like the Apple and Epic uh, story we had done the other week. Epic's whole deal with this was Apple's 30% and a lot of their policies and stuff, you know, with being in the App Store. I think that it's not necessarily a completely different situation for Google. It's just a there. It's just a different point of contention but it's the same overall problem and yeah i mean that's i was taking a look at the the verge article too and i know they were saying one of the biggest issues is that or why the uh, specifically in google's case why the antitrust lawsuit was brought in from the government was that google owns or controls search distribution channels accounting for about 80 percent of the search queries in the u.s so here's the question that i posit wow. that. 80%. Sorry, that's a lot. That's it is. staggering. <laughs> but but here's the thing. Again, how many times you go, yeah, let me Yahoo that for you. Let me Bing that for you. I'm lucky I could name two. And I, I can remember some from the 90s. I remember Dogpile. I remember Alta Ask Jeeves, Alta Vista. I remember all these that just didn't make it. And yep. for whatever reason, and I don't necessarily even think that was just they bought their way. It just became the verb. You know, same as right. you don't buy a, a, a facial tissue, you buy a Kleenex. Right. You know, it's all these things. And there, and there are many different duct tape, another good example, of products that just transcended what they actually were in the first place. Right. You know, and I think in this case, the biggest question that I would have is like, okay, so you're saying that uh, we're asking the court to break Google's grip on search distribution. Great. So what, are you going to force people to use other search providers? Like if it's a matter of AdSense specifically and something like that, cool. So have somebody step up. Like how are you supposed to enforce that? Who's that supposed to be under? Are you saying the U.S. government needs control of that? Because that also has a lot of dangerous connotations. Let's take a look at certain other countries out there who have done very similar things that I can't particularly say I would like to see here. You know, who ends up taking control of that? If you're saying, cool, AdSense needs to be a, a complete third party, who? I don't particularly think the government's the one best suited to figure that out. And especially understanding who's uh, sitting in the FCC right now, again, not really have a whole lot of confidence there. Just saying. Yep. 
And I will say there there is a second Verge article that we were using as a reference as well, and we'll make sure both of these are posted in our show notes. And that was the original article was kind of the initial antitrust, like the government initially digging in and kind of taking a look. And I know, like I said, they had looked at Apple, they had looked at Amazon, and they had looked at Facebook as well. And Google was the one that they kind of seemed to set their sights on, which is why they filed against them. But it was amazing to me that while all those other companies, if you said, if somebody told you that one of those companies had a monopoly on things, I don't think anybody would question that. I think everybody would agree in their given category, they're all monopolistic. And honestly, probably Facebook more than anybody because, well, and I guess technically by by the technical standpoint, maybe not because you could technically go to some no-name kind of social network is my space still around uh, i think it's technically still online but i mean you have you know you have you, you do have choices there you have twitter which is kind of a big one of course you have snapchat you have you know a couple other places like that but i don't know i i feel like if google has to be under the gun some of these other co- companies probably should too you know and, and will will additional filings follow you know or do you think they go after google for a couple years and then either decide it's not worth it or they take them down and then they set their sights on one of the other companies. But I, and, and I hate to kind of always keep going back to the same point, but it, take a look at Facebook. You know, if there, if there's no real option that nobody wants to use, how is that Facebook's fault? Like, and, and I guess that's that's kind of the the point that always kind of sticks with me when I hear about stuff like this. Sometimes, yes, uh, these can make sense. You know, the the second Verge article was talking about, you know, well, Chrome's dominant browser because it got all the, the ad revenue. You know, it got bumped to the top because it's Google's own service. Sure, but there's also very many reasons no one wants to use Internet Explorer. There's reasons no one really wants to use Edge, although that's starting to turn around now that Edge has become Chromium-based. So in order to get ahead, you kind of signed on with the enemy. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's what that sounds like. It's like, cool, they're doing good stuff. Hey, can we bring in some of that? And now Edge is a little bit better. At least I'm from the people I've ne- seen that have used it aren't like, oh my God, Edge, no. You know, but when's the last time you've heard people really touting Firefox? And they were doing great for a while. And I think in certain circles, especially the real deep techie circles and some of the really more, I hate to use the word nerdy, but a lot of those kind of circles, I think it's a little bit more popular um, just because it's not quite as bloated as a lot of the other ones. Hey, wear nerd with a badge of honor. <laughs> hey, I'm, I am. I'm just trying to not, uh, I don't want to create negative feedback on our episodes. <laughs> um, no, I agree with you. And I think to me, the problem with some of the antitrust stuff is it really seems like it has to be an all or nothing kind of deal because either you go with all in on antitrust and then it has to essentially kind of be government dictated and not owned necessarily, but it has to be oversaw, maybe like oversight kind of deal. Um, or antitrust just goes away altogether and you just let the market kind of figure it out. The problem is, is if you let the market figure it out or dictate kind of what's going to happen, what happens when you get to the place where we are kind of with a lot of these companies where they are the big one and only kind of deal? I feel like, uh, remember by and large from the movie Wally? Yeah. Remember how they were everything? I kind of feel like that's kind of what we're getting at. And antitrust is essentially the road bump that kind of keeps that from happening. Because, you know, what happens when, you know, Google 
brings your food, when Google brings you this, when Google does this and that. I mean, Amazon, honestly, to a lot of people is already a lot of that. It brings them, you know, their entertainment through Amazon's like, you know, fire sticks. They're getting things delivered to their house every day. Mm-hmm. They can do Wait like for the an whole Amazon food deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, they, and honestly, I don't think that's out of the, the realm possibility. They bought Ring, so they already have the security company, you know, cameras. You know, so for a lot of companies like that, there's there's a handful of them already poised to become that by and large kind of deal where it is your everything. And so if you let the market kind of figure it out, but by that point, they've already drummed any sort of competition out. You end up with that situation where they are the only thing left. And it's not that somebody doesn't have a better thing at that point. It's that they're just it's there's so much gravity there that there's just no way they could ever even get you know, to any sort of a level playing field to even make it an attempt. And that's sometimes the, the, the biggest problem with it all. And perhaps we are already there with a lot of different aspects. You know, for that matter, let's bring in, you know, your Comcast, your Spectrum and your Time Warner. Now, Grand Time Warner and Spectrum, well, I mean, are the same at this point, but uh, Charter was the other name I was trying to come up with. Time Warner and uh, Charter. I would I would make better arguments, I think, for them to have monopolies in areas because of the way the grids cut, which I never fully understood that. And I worked for two of those three companies at one point or another in my life. And I still never understood that. Like, oh, you moved to a city. Well, here's the only cable option you have. And, and I mean, I guess to some extent I get it. It's all the actual hardware that's there. But I feel like there's a better case to argue monopolization on that because it's actually geographically based where you physically are the only option you have to go this particular route. Do you have DSL? Sure. If you want, you know, lesser service overall, do you have fiber? Yeah. In some areas. Even that's different because you and I could start, you know, Steve and Jason's ISP kind of deal. We could start an internet company and we could set up and there's, we could even use the polls. Like you can get, you could run your own lines and stuff on the poll the problem is, is it's just not feasible to do it. It's not, you'd have to have some backing from a huge company. And at that point they're, you know, who, who's going to back you running something in one state or two, you know, and that, that is happening. It's like sometimes there are neighborhoods and stuff that are getting together and they're doing, you know, a coalition kind of deal and they are starting their own, you know, internet for their particular area and stuff like that. You know, when you have Google fiber and a, a, a small, very small smattering of, cities and things like that so there are competition and you can get other things the problem with the big cable companies that you're naming is just that they already have everything in place and so to try to compete with their pricing to get to a big enough region to be where you could even do it i mean look at verizon verizon tried to take on comcast for years with their fios and you know why they stopped because they ran out of money you know, it was it was so prohibitively cost expensive to continue that that push. They just stopped. I think that also kind of proves my point, because now you take a look to bring that back to Google. Yeah, I could start an ad search company. I could start you know, a phone service company. I could I could do my own Raspberry Pi based uh, home automation devices. The problem isn't trying to compete. They've already got a foothold in the market. So by the time I ever started to get anywhere, unless I had a big company backing me, I'll probably stop that because I ran out of money. Yeah, but I don't necessarily, I think that what you're saying again is true, but I think it's slightly misaligned. 
because the problem isn't that you can't start something new or that you can't do it. The cable argument makes sense when you're fighting against cable. The problem is, is what your argument there isn't that you can't start something new outside of Google. The problem is, is that you couldn't start a new AdSense on Google. So if you wanted to reach all the people that are Chrome users and the people that are using all the Google services and products, and I mean, think of all the thousands and thousands of schools, especially now that are all using Google-based classrooms and emails and you know everything like that to get into those people or to, to make a dent in that portion of the universe, you can't because Google's not going to substitute their AdSense for yours, which is, that's the problem is the choice isn't that you can't make your own AdSense. The choice needs to be that when you go into a dropdown in the Google Chrome browser, you could select a different AdSense essentially, or you could have choices for who's serving you your ads. And that'll give you two. And I think to that extent, I think arguably the the government wouldn't be the best suited for that, but some of the alphabet soup international agencies who do handle the World Wide Web traffic and things like that, honestly would be the best ones to try to implement something or a coalition between browsers to go, cool, here's our response to that. Mm-hmm. And I think you'd need, you would need buy-in on them, even from Google yeah. or Chrome. And I just, like I said, unfortunately, I think some of it's a little bit, it's a little too early to tell. I think we'll have to give, give it a couple of weeks here. And I mean, unfortunately, a lot of these things take a long time to really play out. But over the next couple of weeks, you know, as we kind of see where this kind of goes and plays out, you know, we can keep keep kind of coming back to this a little bit. But it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and see what what kind of comes to light. Oh, for sure. Sometimes in doing some of these kind of digging, sometimes they find some interesting things, you know, behind closed doors kind of deal. So might might get some secrets that they don't necessarily want coming out either. Best thing we do is just wait and see, I guess. Yep. Be sure to like and subscribe. Never miss an episode. And if you like what we're about, be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Well, that's going to wrap up our show for today. Be sure to follow us at Dual Rambling on Twitter. Or for show notes, check out our website, anchor.fm slash Dual Rambling. From all of us here at Dual Rambling, I'm Jason. And I'm Steve. And as always, ramble on. <laughs>